Hello everyone, this is Jonathan Little, and I'm here today with the 48th episode of Weekly Poker Hand. We have almost made it a year, and I am excited about that. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with your friends. That would be by far the most beneficial thing that you could do for me. So in this hand today, this is from, I believe, a $1,000 buy-in live tournament. I've been trying to use, um, I'm, I'm going to try to use some more smaller stakes tournaments. I say smaller stakes, like $1,000 of smaller stakes. But I'm going to try using more games that I think will be applicable to your play, to the, the generic viewer listening and or watching. If you're not watching this, by the way, definitely make sure you check out the video of it at jonathanlittlepoker.com. So... I want to be playing against players who are making mistakes so that I can show you how to get out of line to take advantage of those mistakes. And that's actually what I talk about in my best-selling ebook, Strategies for Beating Small Stakes Poker Tournaments. It is only $4.99. I try to make it as cheap as possible for everyone so that no one has an excuse to not get it. And you can get more information for that book at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash strategies. And there you can also get information about how to get it for free in the audiobook format. So definitely check that out at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash strategies. So in today's hand, we have a tight, aggressive kid raising from first position. And then a loose passive player calls in third position. The blinds are 50 and 100. Under the gun guy makes it 300. Loose passive guy calls. And we all have about 18,000 chips. So 180 big blinds. So it stacks this incredibly deep. I don't really see how I can fold this. Um, I think that I'm often not in great shape versus the tight aggressive kid's hand if I was pl- trying to make purely top pair. But whenever I'm playing ace-10 suited, ace-10 of diamonds is what I have, I'm much more so looking to make a hand like a straight or flush. That In those scenarios, I do have a lot of implied odds. So whenever you do call a raise with a hand like this, you have to recognize that you're not trying to make top pair and pile your money in, especially when super deep stacked. So I'm going to call this from the cutoff seat. And we take the flop three ways. The pot's 1,050. The blinds fold, of course. And then it comes 10, 8, 8, no diamonds. So under the gun, tight aggressive kid bets 525. Now I have to decide if I want to call, raise, or fold. Um, loose passive player in the middle folds. So we are heads up. At this point, I don't really see how I can ever fold. My hand is very good in terms of the hands that I could make. I do recognize I just said I'm not trying to make a top pair. But at the same time... You have to realize that it, the tight aggressive kid could be betting a hand like nines or even fives or uh, maybe something like jack 10 or 10 nine if you raise with those. So I think I pretty much have to continue in this scenario, but at the same time, I'm not happy. Also, the opponent could just be betting ace king or ace queen or something like that, which I'm in great shape against. So I don't think I can fold to one bet on the flop. So I have, I'm going to call. I don't think there's any point in raising. I think a lot of amateur players look at this and think this is a great spot to raise. And I think that would be a very big disaster because then my opponent would probably only call with a 10 or better. And against a range that is a 10 or better, that's going to be all the overpairs also included. I'm not in very good shape. And this is actually something I go fairly in-depth in in strategies for beating small stakes poker tournaments. It's a concept that a lot of amateur players butcher that you definitely do not want to mess up. Because if you are trying to play a big pot here, which is what raising accomplishes you are setting yourself up to be in very big reverse implied odd spots on a regular basis. So I do recognize I will get outdrawn sometimes by calling in this scenario, but the odd, uh, the uh, benefit of keeping the pot small and keeping my range somewhat concealed is well worth the risk of getting outdrawn. Because you have to realize, if my opponent is drawing, right, he's probably drawing to three outs, meaning that he probably has something like um, ace, ace-king, so only the king is good for him. 
So this is actually a spot where I don't care if my opponent's drawing. All right, turns a two, an offsuit two. Well, a two of spades, so now backdoor flush draw comes. My opponent bets 1,200, and again, I decided to call. The action went a little bit fast in the video. <laughs> um, so he bet 1,200, which was roughly half pot. And at that point, again, I, I think that I could conceivably fold, but I think that enough players will continue betting, especially if he has something like ace-king of spades, he'll keep betting. And if he has, maybe he'll continue betting something like pocket nines, although I don't really think that would be a good bet. I think he's much better off check calling with pocket nines in this spot. So, th- so this is a tough one. This is a spot where if I'm continuing to call, I have to assume my opponent is either overvaluing a worse hand, which I don't think is going to happen too often, or bluffing a lot, which I also don't think is happening too often. If my opponent instead bets something like tw- uh, 2,200 into the 2,400 chip pot, I think I would at least consider folding. But facing a, a half pot bet, I don't really see how I can get away from it. Rivers and offsuit five, and my opponent checks. So at this point... Should I value bet the river? The pot is already 45 big blinds, which is a pretty big pot on the river. I have to ask myself, if I bet, will my opponent call with a hand that is worse than mine? And I don't know. I mean, I think most tight aggressive people in this scenario would check with an overpair, although I'm not sure that is the best play. You have to realize on 10-8-8, if you have pocket jacks, you're only going to get called by a good 10 if you continue betting. I don't think anyone's going to call pocket nines or worse. So the, the range you're trying to get value from is fairly small. So for that reason, I don't actually think you should be betting with something like pocket jacks on the river. But a lot of players will just bet. They're like, oh, I have an overpair. I'm supposed to bet with overpairs. And I don't really know if they're planning to bet with the intention of folding if raised. But I, I definitely do not like that bet, especially on a board like 10-8-8 where I could easily have an eight, or I could easily have a draw. And if I have an eight, I'm never folding. And if I have a draw, I'm always folding. So you definitely want to be checking with overpairs on this river against competent players. Against amateur players, though, it's probably not so bad to bet, because a lot of amateur players will not bluff with jack nine on this river, or nine seven. Although, you know, if I'm sitting here with nine seven on this flop, I'm probably just raising. So, so it's, it's an interesting spot, where... When he checks, I don't know if I should be narrowing his range to only value hands or primarily weak hands that he doesn't think he can value bet again, like ace-king or pocket, uh, I guess, well, fives got there. I guess pocket sixes or pocket sevens. So I don't know if I should be betting this or not. And I think in poker tournaments, you generally want to shy towards this, or you want to you be towards the side of uh, being passive on the river whenever the pots get huge because... Especially when you have a marginal made hand like this. Because if you bet and get called, the chips you stand to lose are worth way more than the chips you stand to gain. So, like, say if, if you told me I could value bet this for, say, 1800 and profit 300 chips on average, it's probably not worth the risk of losing that 1800 And, you know, 300 chips profit on an 1800 bet is actually pretty significant. And I'm not too sure you even want to take on that risk because... Having that 1,800 chips could end up being very important down the road, whereas having an extra 1,800 often isn't going to matter too much. Like, say I win this pot right now. I'm going to be up to 20,000 and change. Is there really a difference between 20,000 and change versus 22,000? I think the answer is not really. And if I lose, is there a difference between 16,000 and 14,000? I think the answer to that is yes. And you're going to find that that often is the case in tournaments. So I don't think I should value bet this. I think a lot of people would almost blindly value bet this because, like, oh, the guy checked. I must have the best hand. But I don't really see too many hands that are worse than mine that are going to call besides maybe Jack-10 and 10-9. And I have a 10 in my hand, and there's a 10 on the board, so it's pretty hard that the opponent has exactly those hands. 
Um, that being said, if you know your opponent would always value bet with jacks or better on this river, you might as well bet because your opponent's entire checking range is worse than your hand. So definitely take your opponent into account whenever you are checking or betting. I decided to check behind, and which I think is the best play. My opponent shows pocket sixes, which is kind of interesting. I actually do not like his turn bet at all. And I think this is a scenario, again, where a lot of players just overvalue hands or they bet for what they think is protection, but they don't realize that when you get called, you're not actually happy. And perhaps what this guy thought was that I would raise the flop with a 10 or an 8. Therefore, if I don't raise the flop, I must have a draw. And clearly that is not how good players play at all. So it's always interesting when trying to qu- trying to quantify your opponents. Um, and if, if you don't know much about them, you should generally just revert to sort of a game theory optimal-ish type strategy. And I think that betting the turn in this spot is not a great play against anyone who is reasonably competent for, for my opponent. So that's going to be it for this week of Weekly Poker Hand. Again, if you want more content like this and if you want to see a thorough explanation of why raising the flop would be terrible in this situation on my hand, with my hand, definitely check out Strategies for Beating Small Stakes Poker Tournaments. You can get that at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash strategies. I will talk to you next week.